Hey, bookworms. This is Blythe. I know that last week I said I was going to talk about Heat Seekers and Fifty Shades of Grey, but I ended up having to change the game a little bit because I think that my intention was to do sort of a comparison between like black romance and mainstream romance, but I started reading Heat Seekers and I couldn't really get into it. And Fifty Shades of Grey... I knew I didn't want to read that garbage book again. It was just, I was just doing it for the comparison. So I decided to look at uh, what books I was going to recommend in relation to those books. And I started reading Nine and a Half Weeks and I decided to just do that this week. So Nine and a Half Weeks it is. It's still a romance. Well, hmm. Well, I guess it's maybe not a romance, but it's, I think it's still, <laughs> I think it's still related because I was going to recommend it in relation to Fifty Shades of Grey, so it's relevant. I'm calling it. So Nine and a Half Weeks is like the classic BDSM novel and I'll get into that too but every I guess generation there's a rediscovery of uh, bondage discipline domination submission sadism masochism if you didn't know what that stood for but I'm sure you do we all do and 50 shades of gray is I guess the one of our generation but uh, nine and a half weeks is a classic it was published in the 70s you know there was a whole sexual revolution then and it's the classic. Now, I, for some reason, I remember having an understanding that although this book presents itself as a work of nonfiction, that it's just a known thing, that it is actually fiction. So I looked it up, and the, the author, Ingborg Day, she actually writes it under the pseudonym Elizabeth McNeil, and it's called a memoir, but... Um, it's categorized as a fiction and it's semi-autobiographical, but I think ultimately the powers that be, I guess, like publishing publishers and critics, I suppose, have decided that this is officially a fiction. And I thought that I thought that that was the case for some reason. But yeah, I mean, I looked it up and it definitely is. Now, I don't doubt that. So if you look at Ingborg Day's like history, she traveled a lot. She lived in uh, several different cities. And at one point, she spent some time in Manhattan uh, with a man. And this is supposed to be sort of when those nine and a half weeks happened. Now, I do believe that uh, some of it probably happened. Maybe some of it was embellished, you know, for the sake of storytelling and, you know, getting a book deal, etc. But... Uh, also, I mean, it was the 70s, so, you know, could have been. Uh, also, just one more thing about her. She committed suicide at the age of 70, which seems like an odd age to commit suicide, but I guess given um, how lonely older people are in a lot of cases, maybe it's not, maybe it's not that weird. So Nine and a Half Weeks is about sort of Elizabeth McNeil's journey through these nine and a half weeks, giving herself completely to this man who she's met. And I I didn't really get the sense 
that she fell in love with him, even though she says it a lot. I think she says it really earlier than I sort of feel like she fell in love with him, if that makes sense. Me, the reader. There's a scene at the at the very beginning where he smacks her and she has this reaction like, oh, <laughs> like she just woke up and fell in love and fell for him at the same time. And I'm like, wow, all he had to do was smack you when you were in it. You know, so I kind of think there must have been some feelings preceding that. You know, I don't think that it was just a smack that, <laughs> that did it for her. I think that's just sort of like where we came in. So in BDSM agreements, because they are agreements between master and slave or uh, dominant and submissive, you that you sort of have, you know, like what people, pre- both sides sort of present like what they're interested in doing. And then the other side says no to that or yes to that or maybe to that. And it's kind of like a whole exploration, uh, sexual exploration situation. Uh, but in this book what happened was he sort of just slowly took the reins he began uh caring for her completely you know he dressed her he made her meals um he smacked her that one time (laughs) I guess that was important um he humiliates her he sort of uh exposes her in public you know just does things to embarrass her but I don't think that they are always really done to embarrass her like it's half done to please him done to show her that I think it's also done to teach her like this isn't like this isn't as ridiculous as you think it is a and b I'm in charge so even if it is I'm in charge it was never sort of an agreement it was just sort of like a slow rolling Like, this is what we're about to do. And if you don't agree with it, you can leave. And at one point, he does pack her thing. So it's not, I'm not going to say it's not traditional, but it's not sort of what we have today where, you know, all parties are uh, along the way sort of consenting. There's no safe word. There's no, like, um, you know, I'm comfortable with this, but I'm not comfortable with that. It's not an exchange in that way. He's, she's sort of, she's sort of his pet, uh, is the way I see it, I guess. And she, I mean, at times he has her like tied to the leg of the table. He dresses her, you know, he does everything. He prepares her meals. He takes care of her. Now, my mission throughout the book was to figure out from the point of the slap how or why she became so obsessed with him or not obsessed, but just kind of dependent and in love and just ready to give herself to him completely. You know why she gave into this uh, all the way. And my suspicions were um, that she was able to completely come undone. Um, I mean, I think coming played a big role in it, just being sexually satisfied And then the fact that she was just, yeah, like I said, completely able to become undone, like she was able to give herself to him completely in almost a childlike fashion. And I kind of, it kind of makes me think like, is that, is accessing your childhood like the ultimate form of like adult nostalgia? Because she compares it a lot like, oh, I had to, uh, 
during the day I have to go back to being an adult and making decisions and at night I can just give myself completely to him he does everything for me and there's a lot of art on this too um just one example that that song by like gym class heroes or something that's like wish we could turn back time and they're talking about sort of going back to childhood and not having to worry and I wonder if that is I mean obviously it can be sort of a component and uh, falling in love with somebody if like just being completely taken care of and something that in this book she was able to write about this uh, total indulgence one of my problems with books I think is that I ask questions too quickly before I end up sort of getting to the end and you know everything's sort of laid out so she does end up mentioning this in this uh, excerpt The nighttime rules decreed that I was helpless, dependent, totally taken care of. No decisions were expected of me. I had no responsibilities. I had no choice. I loved it. 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 So I think giving, given that we're having this whole Me Too movement right now, uh, it was an interesting time for me to sort of read this book because of the infantilization of women and all of the articles coming out associated with it, uh, sort of saying, like, these were my expectations um, put on me by society, by men, by, you know, being raised. And here is a woman, given that it is 1978, sort of admitting that she is enjoying this uh, complete and total care. Here's another quote. I guess along that vein, but just overall that I think is super important. She gets really biblical here. I've turned a believer of sorts after all. Turncoat. Traitor to what I have arduously taught myself. Don't cast me out. Don't ever leave me. Desire unquenchable. As long as he loves me, I'm saved. So I'm basically out of time already, but one more very important and I don't want to sound like a broken record at the end of this at the end of giving herself completely to this man having him know everything about her exactly how to use her body he knows her thoughts because he reads her diary he does the tampon thing which somebody has to tell me how they feel about that because I'm very curious um at the end of the book she found she finds this what she describes as a new power and the new power is vulnerability this new ticking in my brain a conscious new power vulnerability perverse if only because it is total natural a grass nonetheless or asphalt in new york abandon and i think that that's i that wraps up everything for me i mean she just completely split herself open and now she has this new power. I mean, she even says how the energy emanating from her reaches across to this kid on the subway who she has never had any interactions with. The only thing I question is, does it work if you are only completely vulnerable with one person? Is that like, is that enough that you were able to open you know, yourself to this one person in that way or in any way, whatever is important to you, because I'm sure it's not a sexual uh, revel- or a sexual awakening for everybody. For s- people, it could be spiritual or maybe uh, it could be, I don't know, anything. Maybe it could be anything. 
But I wonder, does she have that power only? Is that hers or does that belong to him? You know, and since he since he is the one who she opened up to completely. So that's about it. I am just because I have to mention a few other things and I only do 15 minutes. Uh, I wanted to say that last time when I talked about the autobiography of Gucci Mane, I didn't really do it a whole lot of justice. I sort of glossed over it. Uh, What I wanted to say was that I really admired how dedicated he was to creating. I mean, any setbacks he had, he was always back in the studio. He didn't care. He just wanted to get back into the studio. And I really love that he uh, wanted to make other people a part of it. He wanted it to be a collaborative effort. He wasn't a hater. He was like, you know, come on, like, let me see what you can do on this track and he took on that sort of mentorship role I guess the reason that I sort of dismissed it is because I felt um really fed up that he was just repeating the same pattern in his life and because he knew that he could be better you know he had been off of lean before he had been off of drugs before he had been sharp and he knew that he performed better that way and especially after he fell in love and he like blew it with that girl I'm like okay are you really gonna keep fucking doing lean like you know I think (laughs) and I get it you know addiction is hard but like I said he knew that he could um clean up and do better and he had done it before so I just said you know I I was just kind of through um also I went to see Mike Birbiglia on Friday that was amazing he was at the Michigan Theater in Ann Arbor uh the crowd was older than I expected them to be which was weird but um great show and also I because I was in Ann Arbor I stopped at Literati to get a copy of Morgan Jerkins new book this will be my undoing and she's gonna be in Ann Arbor next week or the week after that at Literati so I thought I would read the book before I went to the event so that I could ask informed questions and that's it so next week on my nightstand is gonna be um I am gonna do another romance it's uh Velvet Naughty just like google it It, you'll it's on amazon um so yeah i'm gonna do that book i absolutely love that book um and oh my recommendations for if you like nine and a half weeks you can read i mean if you want to read the story of oh you can it's i remember it not being my favorite uh it it was published in I thought okay for some reason and maybe and I read this years ago but for some reason I thought that this was published like way long ago like the 1800s or something but um I think maybe it just takes place then I don't know I just I didn't love it but it was actually published in 1950 the 1950s 1954 I think but it's basically along the same lines it's that the previous generation the previous generation of nine and a half weeks essentially and then there's nine and a half weeks and then ours is 50 shades of gray you know and I don't know why we got the (laughs) dumb end of the stick because 50 shades of gray is such trash dude (laughs) but whatever uh so that's it I'll talk to you guys next time Walking by my